The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On today's episode, Blues book their place at Wembley. We look ahead to Saturday's trip to Manchester, round up the rest of the Chelsea news, and there's the latest edition of our quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Hello, listener. Hope you're well. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here for our second weekly dose of Blues Chat. I'm joined by The Athletic's Dom Fifield. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I am, well, I'm a bit hungover, to be honest, but uh, less said about that, the better. Sam Parkin, how are you? Yeah, doing well, Matt. Good morning, Dom. Morning, Sam. Uh, we're recording just hours after Chelsea's League Cup semi-final second leg against Spurs. Only fitting, therefore, that that's where we kick off today's spot. bit deeper from Mount here. 3-0 on aggregate. Rudiger and Saar jumped, and I think the former got the crucial touch. Well, we said game on or game over, depending on who scored first. It's Chelsea that score first. I just know it hit my head and uh, I was just hoping that it goes in, it went in. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, this is what I'm working on and yeah, it was good. We can play much better. We need to play much better if we want to really deserve results like this, because uh, we, we we did over... over um, yeah, over minutes and in, 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 in long phases of the match, we did play well, but uh, need to do better. Here's a couple of tweets from Opta Joe that caught my eye. Last night saw Chelsea FC become the first team in English football history to reach the final of one of the two major domestic cup competitions in six consecutive campaigns. Uh, the other tweet, just 350 days after his first game in charge of Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel has become the first manager in the club's history to guide the Blues to the final of each of the League Cup, FA Cup and Champions League. A Spurs nil, Chelsea won then. A totally dominant performance from the Blues over two legs. Simon Johnson was there. He sent us this report. That's about full time. I don't know whether you can hear me over there. Music, it's making more noise than the, uh, the few Tottenham fans that are here left at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium after seeing their side comfortably dispatched a 3-0 on aggregate in the AFL Cup semi-final. Uh, Chelsea didn't really have to be at their best to beat a rather disappointing Spurs side. Uh, man of the match for me, VAR. A uh, hat-trick of decisions the right decisions after Andre Mariner uh, pointed to the spot twice and also the officials gave a goal for Harry Kane in the second half when he was offside. But Chelsea, you have to say, will be uh, pretty happy with the way they dealt with these two legs. Uh, they were on top for the most part throughout. And more importantly, it's put them in great spirits, not only um, with a chance to win another trophy at Wembley against Arsenal or Liverpool, on February the 27th, but this result coming just a few days before facing Manchester City at the Etihad, it will give the squad uh, a good lift. Antonio Rudiger with another trademark performance, although he was involved in one of the VAR incidents with a silly tackle. But as I'm talking, the Chelsea fans are celebrating greeting the Chelsea players as they go over to acknowledge them. It looks to me like there are more Chelsea fans here than Tottenham fans, and that's saying something given the size of this stadium. 
So Chelsea wins 3-0 on aggregate. Job done on to Manchester City. You can read Simon's post-match piece on the Tony Rudiger contract situation on The Athletic now. Uh, regarding that, Dom, Thomas Tuchel, speaking to BBC Five Live last night, used the word confident when talking about Rudiger's future at Chelsea. That feels like quite a turnaround uh, for me. We were assuming that he was he was off, but perhaps not. I, I think Thomas Tuchel's been quite confident, generally speaking, throughout the whole process. And, and so he should, because he's he's... He's offering Antonio Rudiger quite the platform on, on which to perform um, with Chelsea, a successful team that's competing on five fronts this season with with promise of you know further opportunities for silverware in the years to come, um, and and being integral to that as well. I mean, he, no other defender has played as many minutes as Antonio Rudiger in this Chelsea team. Um, so. I think he's got good reason to, to to talk like that and and to speak glowingly and and to you know suggest that that Chelsea is the right place for Antonio Rudiger to to play his football and to commit his future to to this club. But but it ultimately will come down to to his decision and what what the offer is on the table and whether he deems that to be acceptable. And his 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 agent and his brother, um, who acts as his agent, will they will they will be talking about that and discussing that. You know, regularly at, the, at this moment, I thought it was quite telling that in Rudiger's own post-match interview, he he talked about chapters, and which felt a bit more short-term. Just as a word to use, I'm gonna. This has been a, a, a great chapter in my life, as if because when you, when you talk about that, you're always talking about the next chapter, and the next chapter might be Real Madrid, or it might be Bayern Munich, or PSG, or whatever. So that that had a slight alarm bell ringing in my in my head just just that use of that word but but look I don't think Chelsea can can do much more so Tuchel can't do much more he's he's not in charge of you know the, the size of the contract that's being offered all he's doing is making sure that Antonio Rudiger could potentially walk away from this season with how many trophies six if including the super cup to his name I mean that's pretty good going Somehow important was a, a relationship with a manager for you in, in sort of determining whether you stay or, or whether you go. Obviously, the money's the significant factor, as it is for everybody in their in their line of work, pretty much. But but that must be an important part of the relationship, particularly if it's either very good, as appears to be in the case of Rudiger and, and Tuchel, or very bad. I think it's vitally important. Um, yeah, thinking back to my playing days, there were, there's probably times when I extended contracts because you're enjoying playing for a certain manager and a manager who believes in you and and trusts you and gives you the confidence to go and perform. So yeah, it's very different to if you're playing for a, a manager who, who you know doesn't have that trust to put you out there every week. So I'm sure that will come into his his thinking. Completely agree with Dom actually. I thought that was a almost a premeditated line, premeditated quote, as if he thought about what word he would use had that question come up, which inevitably it was it was going to be posed so i did think that was was interesting but you know obviously it sounds like the club maybe have uh, have got room for maneuver in terms of the offer so it's going to be really interesting to see what what happens but um yeah he was i wouldn't say he was completely on his game last night because he was probably guilty of one or two of those errors that had thomas Tuchel a little bit scathing post match despite the the safe path for the final before we get to the actual game, Dom, it feels to me like Chelsea need to get one of Christensen or Rudiger to sign. Would you agree with that? If they if they lose them both, that that's a big issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would be t- it's that's that's quite that would be quite wasteful to lose 
two players of that caliber on under freedom of contract. And obviously, it's good news that Thiago Silva's signed up. We've still got a certain uncertainty over Cesar Azpilicueta as well. But yeah, the, the, the two younger members of that quartet, um, Christensen and Rudiger, you, you want at least one of them to commit their, their future. And, and weirdly, uh, I think Rudiger's presence actually helps Christensen in the team. Um, having a, a, having a sort of aggressive manic leader like Rudiger there, it's almost like, Gets everybody's juices flowing. Gets Christensen, who, who can be a bit becalmed of time, of you know, at times. Um, but he seems he seems to thrive with Rudiger as well. So, on that basis, you'd like to see both of them committing their futures to the club. But, but yeah, I mean, it's let let's see where it all goes. I I suspect that Christensen ends up signing a, a contract at, at Chelsea because, I mean. Look at look at the, look at what this this team can achieve. Rudiger may look at it and think, well, Real Madrid might be a nice a nice move, you know, somewhere else to go and a different football type of culture to experience, where I can also win trophies. Um, I'm not quite sure whether Rudy, uh, whether Christensen will have the same kind of suitor for for his uh, for his talents. In terms of the game, then Sam uh, Andrew Fisherman did his best to to give Spurs a route back into it, but but all three of his poor decisions were rightly overturned. By far, was was the game last night and and the tie in general more about Chelsea's quality or Spurs' deficiencies? Probably the latter, if I'm being truthful, Matt. I couldn't. I'm interested to listen to the Tottenham podcast later in the week. Actually, <laughs> after how scathing they were after the first leg, I couldn't believe that selection when I saw it. Got a bit of sympathy for Antonio Conte because, I mean, if Sessegnon's the the alternative to Doherty, for example, on the left hand side, he is. Really low on confidence, Ryan Sessegnon, from what we thought, believed he was going to be. And there's a few decisions like that, I think, that are taken out of his hands. Not having Eric Dyer clearly would have made them um, more cohesive in terms of trying to play a bit more from the back if they had a bit of a passer in that in that defence. But no, I thought Chelsea were incredibly comfortable. I thought having the you know, the spine of the team, as Azpilicueta, Rudiger, Kepa, uh, Jorginho, players that have been there for so long now, really, and know the system, um, are so comfortable within it, whereas Spurs are so disjointed. I thought that was so evident last night. I thought if you took Jorginho and Kovacic out of that Chelsea side yesterday, there may have been problems. I thought they just controlled that that first half amazingly well, got into so many good positions between the lines, and then Chelsea's final ball did let them down on occasion. And then there was obviously the period when the mistakes started coming in, uh, obviously, you had the Rudiger challenge. You had the, the free header from a, a corner just after. You had the Kepper-Christiansen uh, mix-up in the second half. There was quite a lot of things that could have led to a Tottenham goal. And they should have really scored. And it would have made it quite an uncomfortable last 20 minutes, half an hour, when it should have been anything but. So I can understand why Thomas Tuchel probably wasn't happy with the last 45 minutes, hour of that performance. But to go back to your question, there is an enormous gulf between those two sides at the moment. And I think plainly because this Chelsea team know exactly what they're doing in whatever shape um, Thomas Tuchel puts them out in at the moment. I just found the whole, both legs, so underwhelming from Tottenham. And as, as a complete mm. neutral on this, watching this this tie, it was such an anti-climax. Um, and and summed up okay the comical own goals in the in the in the first first game but the generally anemic performance that Spurs offered up um, 
in the second game, you at least wanted them to show some fight, to show some some desire, and and you could argue that that Chelsea offered them the opportunity to, as, as Sam points out in the in the in the second half. But th- there was a moment, you know, you get to points, you get to you expect like a furious start from Spurs, didn't happen. So the, there's one opportunity then for Antonio Conte to get get into these players and say you're playing for pride, and that was at half time. Twenty two seconds into the second half. Matteo Kovacic picks up a, a loose ball that sort of bounced down off Callum Hudson Odoi, and he he he's allowed to burst beyond a sort of feeble Harry Winks dangled leg. Emerson Royal doesn't really know what to do and lets him run past him, and then he he plows into Tanganga and knocks him for six. And I just thought, well, that just sums up Spurs. If that is Spurs showing a bit of fight, they three of their players have completely rolled over in the first twenty seconds of the second half. But there's there's no hope at all of any kind of comeback, and it was almost at that point we, as a neutral, you'd just say, "Well, this tie's dead. There's no point. It's, it's not a contest anymore." Uh, Conte must be doing his nut. I mean, all that build up about how he wanted to a point to prove against his former employers. That's that that is not a happy marriage. Yeah, and they've got to come back to the bridge later on this month, uh, Tom. Back in whenever it was, when Chelsea played away at Brentford earlier in the season, you, you wrote a piece for The Athletic on, on Malang Sarr and, and he's actually proved to be quite a useful squad member, hasn't he? When, when he first came in, you know, Chelsea spent half the summer trying to get rid of him. He's, he, he's not a world-beater by any means, but he's a dependable defender, it seems to me. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I thought I was really impressed with him against, against Spurs. Um, I think he looked slightly more at home at left-back. Um, slightly left, less exposed. Um, I know they swapped to a back three, you know, the the, the old school Thomas Tuchel way uh, towards the end of the game, and and uh, he he filled in on the on the left side of the back three then. But but at left back, he 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 looked comfortable. and He played really well in that first half, um, in particular uh, up and down that flank, uh, aggressive. I think his his little running battle with Lachelso was was a, was a feature of that game, and it was a it completely wound Lachelso up. He he wasn't. He wasn't able to. He wasn't. He wasn't conning the referee uh, with his some of his play acting. He, he he just he just didn't have the beating of of Malang Sarr, which was arguably as damning on La Chelsea's performance as it is creditable to to Malang Sarr's. But but it, it was good. And yeah, and, and for a, in this situation that Chelsea have found themselves in, indeed, all Premier League clubs, all football clubs have found themselves in with COVID eating into options at, at any moment. Having somebody that can fill in a couple of positions, and we haven't even he potentially could fill in in defensive midfield as well, has been useful. He's not top caliber. He's not, you know, potentially Chelsea class. You wouldn't necessarily want him in that back line going to Manchester City this weekend. But but he has been wholly committed whenever he's played. He's given everything he's got, and he's he's got better. He's got better with each performance, and that's that's promising. And and he deserves huge credit for that. And one of the reasons, Sam, that he's got better is obviously because he's being coached by by one of the elite coaches in world football at the moment. A few weeks ago, people were kind of keen to to jump on the bandwagon of, all. Oh, this is Thomas Tuchel's first test. It's starting to go a bit sour. He's proved, hasn't he, in, in the last couple of weeks that he is right up there in terms of the, the very best coaches in the game at the moment. Of course. And the statistics back that up. I mean, they're not losing matches, are they? I mean, they've, they've thrown away a few leads at Stamford Bridge, been a bit um, sloppy in front of goal, which is still something that kind of rumbles on, doesn't it? I wasn't convinced with any of the 
the forward performances. There's no one you would look ahead to the weekend and say they're a shoe in, they have to play. I'm not sure I, you know, by the narrative that Kai Havertz was left on the bench for, for that reason. But that's, an, that's still in a bit of an area of concern for me. But yeah, the, the manager has navigated, you know, what was a, a tricky run, I felt that um, the Liverpool game was going to be a struggle. They reacted magnificently in that in that game. The change of shape as well for these two games against Tottenham um, has, has worked wonderfully well, particularly, uh, as Dom says, for, for the likes of Saar, who looked a lot more comfortable at, at left-back. And um, yeah, it's a system, I'm not sure that they'll use it for Manchester City, but it's cer- certainly something that needed to happen, I think, and something that he can revert to for, for games this, this season. I think... The the three five two the three four three needed needed to be mixed up on occasions and he's he's done that and and shown that in limited time on the training ground he's got all the players organised. Well, the big games just keep on coming for Chelsea. Next, we'll preview Saturday's trip to Manchester. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Manchester City versus Chelsea goes down at 12.30 UK time on Saturday at the Etihad Stadium. The Blues won their last season. That was the citizens who were victorious when the teams met at the bridge back in September. Joining us now is Mike Miner, who commentates on City for BBC Radio Manchester. Uh, Mike, are you and City as convinced as the rest of us that the title's already won? Yeah, I can guarantee that Pep Guardiola on Friday will say it's far from over. I can script it now for him. He'll say, what, there's a 54, 51 points left to play for. The title's not over. But I I think Saturday has a big say, actually, in in the title race. City can go, was it 16 points clear, I think, if if they win? Um, Which, given that the the most they've ever lost in a season under Guardiola is six, I think, They'd be 16 points clear, lose four games to make on top of the two they've lost already. That's only 12 extra points they're going to drop. Complicated maths, but basically, I, I can't, I can't see it happening. If, if City win on Saturday, I, I can't, I can't see uh, a title race really. Um, as sad as that is, because you kind of do want it to 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 get the best out of a team. What we've seen with City is when the title's wrapped up a little bit early. Actually, they drop off in other competitions. We saw it in the lead up to the Champions League final back in May. Um, so yeah. It's a, it's got a big say, I think, on, on Saturday, which way this goes. Any chance that, that Tuchel has spooked Guardiola a little bit with those three wins last season, or was that negated by September's win in London? Yeah, I think September, because all the chat, if you remember before the, the game in September, was you know how much uh, Tuchel has got the running of Guardiola, and if he if he if 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 you know if this is his ultimate nemesis, but. City, as Guardiola will say, that week played Chelsea, PSG and Liverpool all away from home. And yes, they lost in PSG, but Guardiola will say those three performances 
um, up to that point were the best that City had ever produced under him, and, and they were they were they were high pressing from the off. I don't really remember. I think Lukaku might have had a, cha- a chance in that game, but City had the run. I think City came away and deserved the lead, uh, deserved the win that day. Um, and I think that dispelled those rumours that that Tuchel is 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 Guardiola's weak point. And that said, um, one thing that Tuchel has played a lot under Guardiola, and what we've seen is a lot of managers who do operate this way tend to have a good game against Guardiola is three at the back. So if Chelsea do the same on Saturday, who know again it it could it could prove tricky. Mike, are you surprised at the gap that's developed to the top of the Premier League? The reason I ask is because they've done it pretty much without a recognised striker for large parts of this season. As Chelsea well know, I think Foden played down the middle in that game at, at Stamford Bridge. Are you surprised they haven't gone and got a marquee signing to to replace Aguero and 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 surprised that yeah the the way they're cantering it would seem. Um, yeah, not so much surprised this season as I was last season. Um, you kind of you're kind of used to it now. Um, this this lack of out and out striker. Um, was I surprised they didn't get one in 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 the summer? Yeah, again, kind of yes, but it's, this is all going to be thrown out the window when someone mentions a hundred million pounds for Jack Grealish in a minute. But Manchester City won't be held to ransom over players they they never have we've seen it in the past Sanchez Maguire etc so when when there were high figures for for Harry Kane and Erling Haaland mentioned 120 150 million etc it didn't surprise me that city went in they, they they and i think having done it the having known they can do it the previous season as in last season that i think guardiola knew he didn't have to go and panic if there was no striker had last season been a complete failure, I think they would have tried very hard to, to get that Aguero replacement. But I think they've shown um, their capabilities there. The, the one concern I have, which isn't always a factor, but always gets brought up every time they don't win or they don't score as many as they have. They, I'd have to see the stats, but I don't think their shot conversion rate's brilliant. I remember against Southampton at home, it was a nil-nil draw. I think they had 26 shots and a handful on target. Against Leicester, they won 1-0 away. 20-odd shots, one goal. That's City's sticking point. Whereas you know as if, if, if there was a, a Haaland or a, a, an Aguero there, that that's when, you know, that they would... I would expect the conversion rate to be higher and I actually think they'd probably be even further clear at the top of the league. Obviously, we're talking uh, pre-Pep Presser, but any any team news that you can give us? Obviously, Mares at, at AFCOM. Phil Foden, bit of a doubt? Uh, that, uh, Mares is the only one. Um, I know and even Pep in his press conferences tends to keep it pretty tight. Obviously, the, the first-team squad hit by COVID last week for the Swindon game, seven first-team players out. We still saw uh, how strong it was then. So, uh, they're not going to be weakened by too much more. Obviously, the... The, the quietness in the club this week on, on the COVID situation probably suggests they haven't had any more positive cases. So if anything, players will be returning. What about Cole Palmer then, Mike? Um, brilliant in the cup game. Uh, Riyad Mahrez absent for this one. Do you think Pep would trust him in a game of this magnitude? I don't think he'd trust him to start the game. Uh, trust is a, trust is a hard word. Um, I, yeah, I think... I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if the front three consisted of Jesus on the right, Foden, Grealish down the middle, and uh, Sterling on the left. We, we've seen it plenty of times this season. He will tend to opt for his his first team, his first team regulars, first Pep Guardiola, particularly in a game of this 
magnitude. Um, but I have to give a word on Cole Palmer and, and how lively and how brilliant he's looked this season. You saw him for yourself at Swindon, Sam, uh, in the FA Cup uh, third round last week. He He's... What I like about him is is he's kind of unpredictable. You don't actually know what he's going to do. He loves to take on defenders, which is great to see. Not too many do at Manchester City. They kind of get down the wings and then look for the pass inside or try and cut inside. Palmer will try and take them on a little bit. Um, He has obviously an ability to score um, all kinds of goals outside the box, inside the box. He's tall, so he can offer that height if needed, although we've not seen that too much um, yeah and it's, it's unpredictable nature is he going to pass it is he going to cut inside does he fancy this run alone um, and I think that's a real strength of his and I'm really looking forward to, to where his career goes and he does seem after Phil Foden the next one off the sort of the academy production line with, with James McAtee not too far behind him finally then Mike give us a prediction for Saturday <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I never like doing this because every time I ask someone I know the pressure that they're under Um I think uh, it'll be low scoring, but I think Manchester City might just edge it. Obviously, Chelsea playing in midweek. City have had a week off. Uh, if they have got stars returning, then then great. Add, added strength to Pep Guardiola's ammunition. So, yeah, I, I'll go with a narrow 1-0, 2-1 at max win. All right, Mike, we really appreciate your time today, but I've got to wish you the very worst of luck for Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. The same to you. <laughs> Mike Minate of BBC Manchester there. Uh, Dom, it's a, it's a must-win game, this, for Chelsea, isn't it? Uh, therefore, what, what's the best approach in, in terms of tactics, formation, lineup that you think? Does Romelu Lukaku have to play now? It's a must-win game in terms of the title race general. I mean, I think Liverpool will be hoping that, that Chelsea pull a result out here as well. It's a game where you, you'd expect Thiago Silva and Angola Conte to come back into the starting eleven. Um Romelu Lukaku is a, it's a it's a good question. Um he was ineffective in a two in the corresponding fixture um at Stanford Bridge, which is still arguably the the best I've seen any team play against Tuchel's Chelsea. Um with Brighton pushing them close, by the way. Um, but the it was I, I, he's not he's not he's not definitely he doesn't have to play. But then I mean that maybe that fluent and fluid front three is might be the way to go um, for this match. But I suspect he probably I, I suspect he probably will end up with getting, picking Lukaku just because I, I think it's it it probably is more of a if you leave him out it probably are prompts more questions and, and, and provokes things that they probably don't need, he will do a job. I mean, he's, hopefully, they, they get, if they get the ball to him in the right areas, and then then he, he can inflict damage on, on, on Manchester City and at least draw players to him, and which might provide a bit of space for a Mason Mount or whoever the other player is, if that's Kai Havertz, if that's Timo Werner, if it's Callum Hudson-Odoi, who incidentally I thought was excellent against, against Spurs again in midweek as well. Um... But it's nice for him to have options. It looks a bit more like a Chelsea squad now. Um, they've got a few a few players on the bench. They're a, a, a strong, a stronger bench, a stronger squad. And you know, barring any COVID issues in the build-up, although most of the players now had COVID, so they, they should be okay. To be honest, um, it should be it should be a proper a proper side and a proper test. Um, hopefully, to pose for City. 
Sam, could you ever go with a front three of Lukaku, Werner and Havertz? Or do you need some kind of balance in there, whether that be with a Mount, a Ziyech or a Pulisic? I think you could, but I think he'd always want Mason Mount in the team, give or take for the for, for the big matches. You could probably do it against a lesser side in the Premier League and see how you get on. Um, they got to take optimism from what Leicester did in that second half. And I think if you're mirroring kind of that, shape that blueprint then it would probably be Mount as your Madison and then Werner as Lookman and then your centre forward so and then those two wide players have to help out the wing backs um you know when when they they're called upon so I mean I have to be better than that first game and if memory serves me right it was on the back of the Spurs winning the league wasn't it when the tactical tweak at half time had had kind of turned things in in Chelsea's favour and he went with the the three-man midfield because those three there was very little between them at that time and he, he went with the front two and there was such a detachment between Werner Lukaku and um the, the midfield trio that they hardly got in City's box I mean it was it was a bit of a chastening um afternoon wasn't it Manchester City absolutely squeezed the life out of Chelsea so I don't see it being something similar but for that reason I think you have to go with the three I think you do because defensively they can double up in the wide areas where Manchester City can kill you and then going forward you've got the um you got the mobility to to break beyond their high line. So I'd be surprised if that's not the shape. Dom, earlier I lavish praise on, on Thomas Tuchel. Just thinking back to that game in September, it's going to be really interesting on Saturday, isn't it? Because he had it not easy against Pep Guardiola, but he, he beat him three times last season. It's going to be interesting to see if, if he's found a way to counter the way that, that City dominated Chelsea so much earlier in the season. Yeah, Um yeah, he probably looks back with a bit of regret on on his 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 changing of the system for for that match, um, and it was yeah it, it was a rude awakening actually. I think it, I mean it, it a little a little reality check because I think we were all thinking, well, my word, Chelsea are, are motoring away from beat City and then you know this this title is theirs and actually it's what we've actually seen is is almost a mirror image of. of of last season with City, where they they start slowing and then they suddenly get in this role, it's up to Chelsea now to check that momentum um, and playing in a system in which they're most comfortable and fluent is probably the way to do that. It's, you don't want to overthink it, almost. You don't want to fall into the trap that Guardiola did in the in the Champions League final. It's interesting. I mean, I mean, even on midfield. If, they, if they're only going to play two central midfielders, and Angolo Conte, you'd imagine, has to play because he virtually counts, you know, the energy that he supplies and the dynamism he supplies. Who is the other one? Do they go with Jorginho? Because Kovacic has been excellent of late. I mean, it's it's, it's it would be insanely harsh to to drop him. I mean, who would you go with, Sam? I don't, I, I, I've no idea. Well, my eyes deceiving me last night. Was that the worst Conte's been in 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 recent memory? About three or four times, his his touch got away from him, where he yeah. gave the ball away. I was, I was, that was, that it can't blind be blind turn as well, wasn't there? We gave the ball and, they, and Spurs mm. countered as a result. But yeah, odd. It's not it's not the worst issue to have, though, is it? I mean, <laughs> which two of those three no. are you going to pick? It's very uncharacteristic for Angolo Conte to be like that because usually when he when he's semi fit or recovering from illness or injury, and he comes back into the team, they 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 fling him on, and he's he plays like mm. a man possessed. Mm. And maybe maybe it just reflected the fact that that was such a non-event, really, because the, the tie was won when he came on. Um, I, 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 he he won't be that bad at the Etihad. He, he will 
he will he will be a, a player of influence again at the Etihad. I thought. Well, whoever starts and whatever they score, we will be reflecting on that game on Monday's pod. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team back in action on Sunday. They go to Everton in the WSL. Russian international left back Alsu Abdulina could feature for the first time, having joined from Locomotive Moscow over the winter break. In terms of the men's academy sides, the under-21s bowed out of the EFL trophy on Thursday night. They lost 4-1 against Arsenal at the Emirates. Xavier Umbiamba received a harsh red card, which swung the game in the Gunners' favour. Jaden Wareham had drawn Chelsea level. Uh, many of the players who featured in that game will be in action on Monday night when the under-23s resume their league campaign away to Crystal Palace. You can watch that with me live on Chelsea's online platforms. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast really early, i.e. on Thursday tea time, it will be pre the FA Youth Cup fourth round tie at Watford tonight as we record. Uh, the under-18s then host Brighton at Cobham in the league on Saturday. Sam, you'll be commentating on the Youth Cup tie on Thursday, who in this team should should people be looking out for? Because it's it's been a, another season where the academy's come to the fore. Yeah, well, we were treated a little bit in the previous round against Leighton Orient. Um, Ed Brown went with Malik Mothersill and and Jude Sunsup Bell in a, in attack in in tandem, which was really exciting. Both of them scored, if memory serves me right. So those two, hundred um, percent. Leo Castledine, um, I played alongside his his dad a long time ago. He is a uh, Really effervescent type of character, full of running, um, joins in with the, the front players. So he's another one. But I've been really impressed with defensively, actually. Um, Alfie Gilchrist, Brody Hughes, they're, they're two names that have had really consistent seasons. And I know that the, the staff have been delighted with them. And I suppose we'll wait and see if Lewis Hall gets a run out. Um, I would imagine he's still been involved in, in first team training in the last week or so. So that's probably doubtful. But of course, he'll stand out at the level as well. How would he feel if you got put in the under-18s tonight? We we often talk about that, don't we? We have done over the years when we've done PL2 games or whatever and somebody's been around the first team squad. That's a kind of interesting test of character, isn't it? If it's kind of back to the day job. Um, I think full of beans right now. You know, you, the Youth Cup is the prestigious competition. I think he'll be balanced enough to to realise that an opportunity arose to play in the first team earlier than he would have anticipated. And a lot of the staff, I think everyone's been open about that. This rise has taken everyone a little bit by surprise, but Corey's he's taking his chance and some. So no, I think he'd go back tonight with a certain degree of swagger, but in a good way and probably put in a great performance because they're going to need their better players if they're going to get their FA Youth Cup crown back. So I wouldn't have any concerns over him tonight. Maybe... Ask me again in three months' time on a, a wet, night, wet night somewhere up north in the PL2 when there's no one there, when you're playing at a non-league ground. And if he's not tasted the first team action again at that point, then maybe his attitude will uh, have to remain as good as it looks to have been to this point. Right. We can't put this off any longer. Let's quiz. 
Three questions each then. Chelsea versus Manchester City, the theme this week. Sam, you're up first. Which player scored twice against City for Chelsea last season? It's the ones that I've, what, what I found is it's the it's the ones that are most oh, I got it. That often prove prove the most difficult. I got it. Go on, uh, cup games included, yeah. Yep. Ziyech. Correct. Oh, well Cup semi final and at the Etihad too. Uh, Dom, here's your first one. This is also a recent one. Name the three Chelsea substitutes who Thomas Tuchel brought on in last year's Champions League final. Uh, Christensen came on for Thiago Silva. Correct. Um, one of the midfielders Kovacic did he come on correct yes because he finally got a medal where he's actually participated in the final I get a mark for two surely out two out of three mm, I'm afraid not <laughs> do I get two guesses for the third okay yeah you, that's fair you can have two guesses <laughs> this is brutal um... you did this to yourself with the Christmas one that you, you did for me Lucy Right, it'll be one of the attacking players then. So, um, Ziyech, did he, did he, he didn't start, I don't think. Ziyech, was he one? No, nope, one on? guest left. Oh, for God's sake. Pulisic? Is correct, yes. 1-1. One, one. Bit of a shot in the dark, but yeah, you got there. <laughs> Who did he come on for? <laughs> no idea. Uh... <laughs> Listener, you know, don't you? Very good. Uh, Sam, here's your second question. Uh, which former manager of yours got the only goal of the game in the first Premier League meeting between the sides, a Chelsea win at Main Road in 1992? Wow. Mick Harford. Is correct, yeah. Oh. That's probably the easiest question of the quiz. So do I get one on one of my former managers? <laughs> yeah. uh, this is yours, Dom. Chelsea's final visit to Main Road came in 2002. The Blues won 3-0 thanks to a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank goal and the brace from Gianfranco Zola. Which two players in the City starting eleven that day would go on to play for Chelsea? 2002. Sean White Phillips. Correct. <sighs> um... By the way, how old does it make you feel when Sean Wright Phillips' son makes his debut in the FA Cup I, last weekend? I couldn't believe that. I was really emotional seeing Ian Wright talking about his grandson. It was just mm. amazing. Oh my, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, Anelka. Brilliant. Mm. Really high standard mm, so far mm, this week. Mm, uh, Sam, you've got, to, you've got to match that. This is your third and final question. You're two for two. As it stands, which Brazilian scored 13 minutes into his debut to put City 1-0 up in what would turn out to be a 3-1 Chelsea win at the Etihad in September 2008? Rubinho. Well, well done. Oh, straight off the bat. Absolutely Very magnificent. He's going to have to get much harder next week. Uh, all right, final question then, Dom, and you, you've got to get this right, otherwise it's defeat. What was unusual about the 2012 Community Shield between Chelsea and Manchester City? What was unusual about that? Um, Listen, the producer Lucy's looking pretty smug on the Zoom because I think that she got this one and is quite pleased about it. Was it the venue? Yes. What was the venue? You just asked me what, what was unusual about it. The venue was the unusual thing. Um, what was the venue? Right, so it clearly wasn't Wembley and it clearly wasn't the Millennium Stadium, so... 
uh, they wouldn't have been in Manchester because Manchester City were playing. So uh, the process of elimination uh, leads Aston us to Villa? one standout venue. Aston Villa is correct. Can you? I'm, I'm giving you the point there. So it's three three. But can you remember why it was played at Villa? Was it? Park? It was presumably because of the Olympics, was it? It was the final of the Olympic football tournament on oh. the same day. Oh, well done. I mean, a satisfying draw, I'd call that. If you get a 3-3, you're pretty happy with that as a punter, I think. (laughs) As I say, on Monday's show, we're going to reflect on the City game. We'll also look ahead to Tuesday's rescheduled visit to Brighton. Uh, Dom, you don't like Brighton. We know that. But you do like writing for The Athletic. What have you been doing specifically? I I don't mind Brighton. Well, Um, I'm going to Brighton on Friday to to cover the the Palace match there, which will... uh, test my fondness <laughs> for Brighton uh, and then I am going to cover that game the Chelsea game on Tuesday as well so I'm basically becoming a Brighton resident for the next <laughs> week um, uh, what am I writing about I'm writing about actually I'll probably talk to Sam about this I might even give him a ring after this I'm writing about the sensation of being a 90th minute substitute oh. I'll let you go that, I'm definitely going to ring yeah <laughs> I'm on the on the blower to you in about ten minutes, Sam. It's yeah, just just I mean, quite interesting because because I think I think we all assume that the 90th minute substitute wants to get on the pitch because he gets his win by sorry he gets his his match fee or his appearance bonus or whatever, um, and that the manager is doing it for time wasting purposes. But it it appears that it's not always. That's not always the case, not not least on the bonus thing, which um, the intricacies of player contracts have have I've explored a bit of that already, which has been quite interesting, and and um, yeah, and and yeah, it's just a just a sort of typical different type of of piece for the athletic, really. Now that I've been, now that Liam has relieved some of my Chelsea duties. Um, let's have a quick preview of that then, Sam. A, did you always get your, your bonus when you came on? And B, did you have a shower if you ever came on as a 90th minute substitute? Or could, could you just like get changed and go straight home? Oh, the indignity of it all. Um, <laughs> it would probably be a percentage of your appearance money, I would suggest, if memory serves me right. But the worst thing about it, obviously, well, I, in certain circumstances, it was a little bit embarrassing. You know, you didn't really want to go on. And then, of course, you had to do the running after the game, mm. which is the ultimate, the ultimate negative thing that's associated with being a footballer, especially if you're away from home up north. The players have had a, well, if you've been, if you've lost the game and you've not got on to affect it, and then you've got to do box to boxes in an empty stadium in the freezing cold, that was a real test, especially for the experienced players. So I think that comes into it as well. Looking forward to reading that. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. That'll do us for today, though. Many thanks to Dom, to Sam and to Lucy and to you, listener. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Until then, bye for now. The Athletic.